Would you stand in reverence as we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning from Exodus? Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Python and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, She got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Many today are deciding that the Bible is irrelevant, that the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures have nothing more to say to us. I would have to disagree. You read through today's story, you could say that it's about a national leader targeting poor people and oppressing them for personal gain, immigrants actually. Or you could say that this is a story of a leader from one ethnic group targeting another ethnic group and trying to eliminate them. 
Or you could say this is a story about a powerful man using his power and position to intimidate, intimidate and manipulate women with less power. Any of those stories you could read as a headline in tomorrow's news. So many of these issues that they were dealing with in the ancient times, we are still dealing with today. Let's take another look at this story and what we might learn from it. It begins in verse 8 of chapter 1 of Exodus. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. If you'd read through Genesis, you would know Joseph's story. A descendant of Abraham, through a long story with twists and turns, he ends up in Egypt in trouble. But then he rises through the ranks until he becomes a very powerful person. In fact, an advisor to the king. And because he is there, when his family run into a famine in their own country, they come to Egypt. And Joseph, because he's in that place, can save them from the famine. But the times are changing, this text says. This new king is not a kind man. This new king doesn't know Joseph and what he's done for the Egyptian people. He begins to talk to his leaders in his court and say, we must deal shrewdly with this one particular group. And he begins to cast dispersions on the Israelites. In verse 10, he says, come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. So the leaders listen, and the next verse tells us, therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Python and Ramses for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And because of that, it gets even worse. In verse 13, the Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. So we find a story that tells us about a king, a national leader who engages in purposeful oppression against some of the people that he's responsible for, responsible for that live in his own country. It's clear that he's acting out of prejudice and greed, that he's working to build his own wealth, his own power, his own status and influence. And he will apparently have no bounds to how far he will go the word in the text is ruthless. It repeats that he is ruthless. He unveils this murderous plot to kill every male baby born to the Hebrew people. He calls the midwives in and invites them into this plot to act against their own people, to kill innocent babies being born. The midwives resist. They come up with a plot to thwart his ways. So the king decides he can still deal with this. He releases this reign of terror saying to all of his people, anytime 
You see one of these children, throw them in the Nile, kill every baby boy that's a Hebrew. It's such a dastardly action, an unbelievable step for a leader of a people to take, and yet it is not unprecedented in the world. There are still places in the world where things like this are going on. But the midwives continue to resist this evil king. And we are given the reason why in verse 17. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. They feared God. They had a relationship with God. They were compelled to act because of their faith in God. Sometimes our faith compels us to act. Sometimes our faith prompts us to take a step, even at risking our own well-being and health. Certainly these women do that. These are just common women doing their job. The king tries to use for ill, but because of their faith, they decide to take a different action than the king has commanded. They show deep courage in the face of this murderous plot. They show this great compassion for these pregnant women and the babies that are going to be born. They risk their own well-being and probably their own lives to stand up on behalf of the children and these other vulnerable women. As I was reading over the text last few days, it reminded me of Rosa Parks. You probably know the story of Rosa Parks being seated on a bus in the 1950s when buses were segregated by white-only and black-only seating. The story often says that the reason she got in trouble and was arrested is that she sat down in the front of the bus in the white-only section. But as I was reading this week, I was reminded that's not really what happened. She got on the bus, went past the white-only section. There was a middle section on the bus that was open seating. She sat down there with three other black women who had been at work all day. When the front of the bus, the white-only section, filled up, and then one more white man got on the bus and didn't have a seat in the white-only section, the bus driver looked at Rosa Parks and told her to stand up so this man could have a seat. She did not stand up. She and the others were arrested. It triggered what we know as the bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama, and a legal case that the NAACP and others brought against the city of Montgomery that went all the way to the Supreme Court and when finally was ruled upon outlawed bus segregation and seating in America. When I was rereading the story this week, I was reminded that there were other black women who had been arrested for sitting in the wrong seat even before Rosa Parks was arrested. 
but Rosa Parks and three of these other women who had been arrested who became co-plaintiffs decided it was time to stand up. There was time to disobey what they saw as an unjust law. These were just common women who, compelled by faith one day, decided it was time to respond in a different way. The Hebrew midwives did the same. They were put in a circumstance they found untenable, and they decided to do something different. Common women who become extraordinary examples of courageous souls resisting evil and injustice because of their faith, the text tells us, because of their relationship with God. Sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances where a higher power prompts us to disobey civil authority or prevailing practices. Sometimes we feel prompted by the Spirit to stand up against hate, to stand up against evil and injustice, to see a wrong that's being done and decide, I can do something about it to make it right. Sometimes we are prompted by our faith to decide we're the one to step up and help in a crisis. These Hebrew midwives did just that. Then in verse 20, we are told, So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. It is a story about these courageous women, but it's also part of a larger story about how the Hebrew people grew in number and strength. By the end of our text today, we read in chapter 2, we're introduced to Moses as a baby being born. And certainly he's part of the national narrative about how God works to bring these people together to make them a holy nation, a chosen people. These writers want us to understand as the readers that they believe that God is the force behind all of this. That God is the force giving courage to these women. That God is a force at work to save this baby who will become a leader for him later. That God is the force working through the ages, working through generation after generation to make things right in the world. Certainly Moses becomes the preeminent leader of the Hebrew people and does mighty things as God prompts and leads him through his life. But let's not miss the power of the story today about these women. For if it weren't for the midwives resisting, Moses would have never survived the day he was born. If it wasn't for his sister and his mother and their cunning and courage, he would have never had a chance. If it wasn't for Pharaoh's daughter, who had enough compassion and courage to go against an edict of the king, her own father, 
Moses' story would have ended way too soon. Moses is going to become a great faith hero later in the story. But today, these women are the great faith heroes, demonstrating how God uses people of faith in the face of a crisis. I told you before, I'm reading a little devotional book by a guy named S.J. Meyer. One of the stories, one of the devotions I read this week, he's talking about the wise men coming to see Jesus, and he calls them star chasers. Then he writes this. All of the really good stories in human history and mythology involve people chasing stars. The Iliad, the Odyssey, Moses and the Hebrews in the desert for 40 years, Jesus in the desert for 40 days, St. Paul traveling around the Mediterranean, Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Edison, Cesar Chavez, Susan B. Anthony, all of them star chasers. So what about us? Are we star chasers? How far are we willing to journey beyond our own comfort zones into the dark forest of eye rolls and social criticism in order to encounter the living God. The question before us is not whether the wisdom star still shines, but whether or not we are willing to follow it. All of these texts that we're reading in August come from our Vacation Bible School curriculum. They were the key text our children were studying at the end of last month. Some of our adults found it so inspiring they decided to create an adult Vacation Bible School experience that they're doing right now during the month of August from these same themes. One of the key features of Every summer's Vacation Bible School is some music, special songs that have been written to go along with the themes. If you were here July 23rd in this service, you saw the children come down and sing one of those songs and play their instruments. I want you to hear the words again. I think they're a good charge for all of us. Here's what the children sang that day. Whatever we do, Wherever we go, whoever we meet, this is our hope. We want to show the world the love that saves us. We want the world to know the love of Jesus. So we show grace, speak truth, spread love in all that we do. We show grace, they sang, speak truth spread love in all that we do. I've asked them to come back at the end of August, the last Sunday of this month, and reprise that number when they reconvene for fall choir. I've asked them to rehearse that one first and come sing to us again because it's such a relevant message for us to hear as people of faith today. Oh, these are good lessons for our children to learn. They're also good lessons for us to be reminded of, to be people of faith, 
to let the faith lead us into the future, to be strong, to stand up, to stand for the right in the face of authority, abusing others, to be willing to be people of faith who stand up and speak the truth, to stand up for love in the face of wrong, to do what is right, to have the courage to take a risk because we are people of faith whom God has called together to be a holy people, a chosen people, so that God's love might be known around the world. May we go forth, allowing our faith to lead us in all we say and do. Amen. Thanks be to God.